Welcome to Calvin's Corner. My name is Phil Nasons. He's Pastor Michael Noonan, and we're here to do whatever it is that we do. How you doing this morning, my friend? Just lovely, and you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I think we got some great responses for the rebranding of this show. We're not there yet. No, we're not even close, probably. So maybe we'll just call it the all-new Calvin's Corner for now. <laughs> um, I, I think... Uh, Each one is all-new. Hey, could, this one could be our last one. You never know. Um, Depends on our mood. It could be. Uh, you know, the question was asked, why are we rebranding? And I guess we could just do it the way we're going to do the show. So I could talk about why I deactivated my Facebook account. Can't talk okay. about that on Calvin's Corner, could we? Sure, we can talk about anything. For, well, let's, let's start with why we're rebranding. And That's I just kind of felt uncomfortable because uh, while I, I, I have great admiration and respect for the works of uh, John Calvin, I, I don't want to be identified only with the legacy of Calvin and his followers. Uh, the, the church is a lot broader than that. And I, I want to speak to and from the whole of orthodoxy and not be wearing the Calvin t-shirt all the time. That was my thought. That was a good thought. That was my thought too. And I kind of thought that we have a very good uh, chemistry here and we have a great amount of downloads like radio stations would love to have that kind of guaranteed listenership every week for any kind of program but i was having a hard time marketing it and i think that this is a good show our our relationship is great on and off air and i kind of want to broadcast that and promote that and i can't do that under the calvin corner banner because if we don't talk politics here much, and unfortunately, that's what people want us to talk about. So, uh, you know what I mean? I, it's just oh, true. Yeah. Well, and, I, I know exactly what you mean. And it's not that they want you to just talk about politics. They want you to pick a side and die on that hill. See, that's not a hill I want to die on. I think and that's I, I'm foolish. not going there. No, I think it's foolish. And plus, we kind of put ourselves in a box, even though we haven't traditionally done so people kind of expect us to talk about john calvin and we never do um maybe at the beginning we did i, I just named the show that because we were both at that time pretty diehard calvinists i yes. thought yeah and i thought it fit yes. and you did too because i pitched it to you it, you wrote back like in two seconds it was amazing yeah. let's do this and we did and we're still going to do the show we're still trying to come up with a name for it so Leave your uh, ideas, which we appreciate, by the way, in the comment section at michaelnewnham.com in this posting, and we'll try to figure it all out. Until then, this is still Calvin's Corner, and, you know, I got to tell you, I woke up Saturday morning and deactivated my Facebook account. Okay, why would you do that? Because, so let's, again, talk turkey here. For you and me, uh, being in the quote-unquote media, Facebook is almost a necessity. 
Mm-hmm. We have to be there. We have to have our, our work out there uh, so that people can see it and choose to engage with it or, or not. Right. So why, why would you basically cut yourself off like that? Well, that was probably, it wasn't a rash decision at all. I've been thinking about doing that for, well, probably six months now. Um, I guess it just came to a point where I was so tired of seeing things that probably aren't social. You know, what we turned Facebook into was not what it was originally intended for. And like you said, we we use it, uh, people use it to market their uh, businesses and God bless them, market their media work and God bless them too. But it's also turned into this place that is increasingly becoming incredibly negative. And I was part of that. You know, I, I bash NBA teams because that's what I do. I mean, that's my job. Technically, well, right. it's part of it. And, and people who know me know that, and they play along with it. But uh, it's so easy to get sucked in the uh, political rat hole and to talk about things you have no idea what you're talking about and trying to correct people who actually do know what they're talking about. And it just got to this point where I was sitting there Saturday morning and I see this link to this Twitter fight between Britt McHenry and Casey (laughs) Sager. I saw that too. And Casey, you know, the funny thing is, is I know Casey Sager and I've muted her a long time ago because (laughs) to be honest, it was like the pot calling the kettle black. Now I could get into a lot more specifics, but I'm not going to. A lot of NBA people find her, how do I put it, a little uh, antisocial, I guess. Um, I don't like people who uh, have opinions, and when they're challenged, especially by men, slammed, telling them to get a softer sock. How do you pick on a girl? You know, stuff like that. So I I muted it, but then I see this thing, so now I'm sucked into this rat hole for an hour. And that's probably the last thing I needed. And I decided through a culmination of events that it was time for me to deactivate my Facebook. It was supposed to be for social things. I mean, how many parties do you go to where people are holding up signs saying uh, things like sodomites and and offering their opinions? That's what your memes are. And the truth is that's antisocial. You go into a bar Okay, maybe <laughs> Sorry, I. Sorry, do. I don't know why that makes me. So I'm finding that very amusing. But go ahead. Because it's true. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're in a social network, exhibiting antisocial behavior and expecting people to pat you on the back and getting ticked off when they don't. I mean, if you do that in a bar, you're going to get in big trouble. So why would you do it on Facebook? And and I was part of that sometimes. So I decided I don't want to be a part of that anymore. If somebody acted that way in my social setting, I would ignore them and walk away from them. I wouldn't want them in my inner circle. I wouldn't want someone who refers to homosexuals as sodomites as someone in my inner circle. So I said the heck with it. That's what I did. (laughs) Make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I find the whole... I'm finding it more and more difficult. I don't go there very often. Right. So what I do is 
when I post uh, a link to back to the blog on Twitter, it automatically posts it to Facebook. Right. And one of the things that really bothers me at this point is you're correct in that. So it used to be a place where uh, people you were connected to in some way could further that connection, further that relationship. You could be in touch with them uh, in, a, in a way, in a more personal way than I can like on the blog. Right. Unfortunately, what's happened over the last few years is, is that a lot of the people have, that I, I quote unquote know from the blog, from the work there, <clears throat> have separated into um, political camps. Right. And so the volume of that has risen to the point where we no longer look at each other as people with names and families and pets and struggles and victories. We look at each other as representatives of political entities. Uh, a lot of people that I used to have good relationship with kind of look at me now as a, a liberal. Right. So, I get that a lot, by the way. So, so we're not, so we can't have the relationship we had before because I'm a liberal and they're a conservative or I'm too conservative for some of my more liberal friends and the relationships have come to a crashing halt. Ours didn't. I'm conservative, and you're liberal, and it's okay. We get along perfectly. Well, I'm liberal about certain things and right. really conservative about some other things. Mm -hmm. Beings that I'm a human being, and I have a brain that can think along something other than binary lines. Right. I'm not into binary. I'm not into black and white, yes and no. Most of the issues that we deal with as people and as a culture are a lot more complex than that. Right. And a lot of the decisions we make aren't totally good or bad. <clears throat> They're a mixture of both because life kind of doesn't give us those kind of clear binary choices. And so I, I kind of have been mourning over some people that I really like. Right. Who no longer want to um, hang out with me, you know, in the way that we hang out with people on social media. Because they, I'm not in their political camp. And then Facebook itself has changed. You know, one of the great things about Facebook used to be that, <clears throat> excuse me, was that they let you know um, when people were having a birthday. Right. So you could jump on, and if you hadn't talked to them in a year or five. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. You could, you know, kind of remind them of, of the relationship that you have. Just by simply wishing people happy birthday. Right. Well, hell, I can't find any of that now. Sometimes I see it. Sometimes I don't. 
Right. Sometimes I'll be on there and, you know, I'll see someone thanking people for all the birthday wishes that came their way uh, that I never even had an opportunity to participate in. Right. So there's all of these obstacles now to creating real relationship. And I'm not really interested in having political relationships because a lot of those people who, you know, quite frankly, uh, let's be blunt. I, I don't like Donald Trump. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> that, I don't either. That's, and I'm understating that. Right. Me too. But I don't dislike you because you do. Right. Okay. And right. relationships will outlast uh, the political climate of any given day. Or they should. Well, not, not now. Not thanks to Facebook and places like that. And social media is destroying that. You're right. Well, yeah, it's terrible. And, and so I, I'm seeing it more and more as a destructive thing. And it's also, to me, really dangerous to my faith. And it's dangerous to my faith because the temptation to jump into these discussions like you're, you just talked about. Right. And become as mean-spirited, as inflexible, as rude as everybody seems to get in these conversations and putting up these memes that you know, basically say everybody that doesn't agree with me is uh, some vulgar name. I, I'm, I, I'm not – I can't act that way and be at peace with my God. I just can't. And it's my nature to act that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there are times when it's like, I want to cut loose on somebody so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. But see, I do that. That's my problem. I forget that I have a microphone for that. And I see some of the dumbest things posted by people who I have a large measure of respect for. And I say, how can you think like that? Yeah, I just, I just have, I stay out of it. See, that's not, see, I can't. Sometimes. That's not my nature. So I have to figure out a way not to be in that. And so I decided the best way to do that is to remove myself from the entire situation. And so I how, how are you going to promote? Because, I mean, let's, let's be bluntly honest here. Without mm -hmm. Facebook, without social media, we basically don't exist. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is I got my start before there was social media, just like you did. And I found my ways to get what I need done. And after 10 years of the, doing my show, if they can't find me, then they, then they never look for me in the first place. I'm easy to find. If you Google my name, you're going to get right to my website. That's where all my stuff is. Um, but we're competing. I mean... Everybody has a podcast. I think you know. I saw Chester looking for a microphone. Yeah, uh, well, he he's welcome to have one, by the way. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not on this one. Uh, <laughs> it's hard without social media to delineate yourself from everybody else. And let's let's be honest. 
unless you're out there and reminding people that you're there, they will forget about you. That's true. I still have my Twitter account, though. It's interesting that you'd say that because I look at numbers of people, how people find the blog. Where do they come from? Well, most of them probably from Facebook. Vast majority come from Facebook. Right. See, my numbers are different, and most of mine come from Twitter or uh, or, or the various podcast catchers that my show is on. So I have that. I have LinkedIn I use, Google Plus that I use. Phil. Yes. Phil. Google Plus is closed for business. <laughs> well, whatever, but there's, I nobody, there's nobody there. You know what? That I'm going to just take my chances. Okay. Be, because here's why. If you don't make a stand somewhere, you won't make a stand anywhere. And I have to do that. And in my life is much better just from two days. You know, I still have all my pictures because they let you save all that data. I found that out. I had to re-log into my account to do it yesterday, but I did it. And so whatever, you know, and if I miss out on some things, I miss out on some things. But well, I think I think I probably miss out a lot. I I, I rarely and, and not for very long go to Facebook. Um but let me suggest something else. Okay. Because I, I think you're a valuable voice. I think you should be heard. And if I didn't think we had something to say, then I wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this, you know. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Is there a way to stay and try and change the tenor? I'm, if we're not there, we're not able to influence anything. That's true also. I, I thought about that. And, you know, my hope is, is that when I do post something, I'm posting something to build up somebody, to inform somebody, uh, and not just to throw rocks at somebody. Oh, see, but here's the thing, though. You know, but this is, the, I agree with everything that you just said. Here's the thing, though, for me, is because of my show, which I don't do that much because I have other things that I'm doing, and they don't need me to do it as often. Now my show is more like an event, I guess. I don't know. Or it's whenever I feel like doing it. That's the Phil Nason show, in case you were wondering. Um, part of that show is uh, I kind of uh, created some uh, wars with teams because it's fun. It does right. bring in the listeners. But here's the thing, though. I've made friends like the Thunder. If you've ever followed my Facebook page, you'll know I bash them all the time. Right. One of the young people that writes that comments on there, his name is Rob. Rob is a graphic artist. Rob's also a Thunder fan who found my show because he was the Thunder fan. Rob did some work for me, and I said to him he needed to get a hold of the Oklahoma City Thunder in order to get a job because he's fantastic. He didn't know how to do that. Because I'm in media, I had the right people's email address. He's now working for them, and it's a fantastic thing. The Thunder actually called me. He used me as a reference because even they get it. But sometimes people don't get that, that I don't really hate them, even though it's just part of my deal, you know, part of my spiel. So maybe what I should do is reconsider this whole Facebook thing, Michael. Well, I, I think you should. I, I think if we abandon, well, let's face it, social media is not going away. 
No, it isn't. And, and, you know, I can sit here as an old person screaming at people to get off my yard. No, they, <laughs> they're installing plumbing. They're not getting off my yard. This, right. is the, this is the way of life now. Of course. And so maybe what we can do, and, and I don't do it perfectly. I, I fall to the same temptations you do. But maybe being there and trying to set a different tone is the way to go. I'm going to think about that for a couple more days. I'm still going to, I'm going to keep it deactivated for the time being, but I'm going to take all that into consideration. I'll probably return. I think you're right. I don't think I overreacted, though, because I just get so tired of seeing all oh, the negativity. I don't and think that you it, did either. I mean, that, that'll I, influence I, you. You know, that'll influence how you do your whole day. You can ruin your whole day. In the morning, the first thing I usually used to do was look at my phone and see what was on Facebook. I agree completely. There have been too many days when I went over there in the morning and was just cranky the rest of the day. But uh, I did find a lot of the topics for this show on Facebook, I must admit. Well, it does have some value. But I can still think outside the box. And and one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to reconsider that. I think you're right. I think maybe that's probably what I should do. But I, I need to give it a couple more days. I don't want to look like I made a hasty decision because I didn't. Um, we'll have to see about that. But one thing that has really been tripping me out, another reason why we're rebranding the show, is so we can talk more about the things that we care about, too, that a lot of people out there care about. You, the listener, I know do because you write to me about it. The, I guess it was two weeks ago. I'm watching the Houston Texans game. I'm sorry. Well, because I had a little thing on it, and right. uh, I, whatever, you know. Um, we can talk about gambling too if you want sometime. Get a small wager. Yeah, I, yeah, so, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Texans quarterback Tom Savage got destroyed. Basically, he got sacked. And the thing is, is, is Sundays is my day off, and I like to have a couple cold beers. And I like to watch the games in peace and quiet. And I usually have four games going on at the same time. And I'm watching this guy, and I thought maybe the beer had affected me because I saw this dude twitching like he was having convulsions or a seizure in the end zone. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, I can't believe that I'm watching this. If I saw someone hit someone so savagely, and legally, by the way, but savagely, in the street, I'd probably want to defend the person on the ground. Um, how do we still watch football, Michael? Oh, that's a hard question. We had Matt Redmond on here last, was it two years ago? Yeah. Talking yeah. about this very thing. And this year has been awful. I mean, there's been so many injuries. I personally am done with fantasy football now. I'm just done with it. So when we were, one of the things that uh, we're doing on on the blog is a series on church history, which is fantastic, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Thank Dwayne. And we are going to thank Dwayne later in the show. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, Dwayne, uh, pointed out that one of the things that the early church, uh, set themselves apart from the culture by doing was by their objection to um, the violent games where actually people got fed to the lions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
that were that were part of the entertainment of that particular culture. Christians did not participate in going and watching, you know, people being hurt and dying. Right. With we've got the CTE issue. So when when I'm watching a game, I'm watching people doing damage to their brains that's not going to show up for five or ten or twenty years. But that's willingly so, though. They're willingly doing this and yeah, being paid for it. I mean part of the reason part of the money that they're being paid is coming out of my pocket. Right. Because I I have been a supporter of football for my whole life. Right. And so, you know, watching uh, football, comparing it with uh, what the early church did, I don't think, I think they would have objected to it as well, creates a question of, of how does a person of faith deal with this? Okay. Can we backtrack and, for a second? Yes. Now, when you talk about Christians being fed to lions or fighting lions or whatever, were they being or paid you, for that? Uh, no, but you also had gladiators. Right. Okay. And they and were being paid. They were. And what is football? I mean, how many, how many thousands of times have they've been referred to as the gridiron gladiators. Of course they are. They're huge. These guys are monster big, by and, the way. And they are, they are paid to inflict... Um, damage. Damage on another person directly sure. across from them. And the price they pay is that we now know about CTE. Um, anybody that knows someone that used to play pro football is uh, aware of the fact that their bodies just don't function very well anymore. Oh, man, I know lots of guys. My close friend is an NFL agent, and these guys get banged up. That's why he uh, he was one of the first people to uh, get guaranteed contracts for his guys. You know, back in the old days, if you got hurt and didn't suit up, you didn't get paid that week. And now it's kind of changed, but still, my God. But this Tom Savage, dude, and then they bring it back in the game. And I'm thinking, wait, now I'm sure the beer has affected me. And I couldn't believe it. The dude was out there twitching. Well, in a way, I find all of this kind of odd. And, and uh, having watched football for years, right. what you see on the field today is nothing compared to the 60s and 70s. Well, that's just it. You know, the equipment. I think I told you this before. You asked me last summer, uh, you asked me, we talked on the phone when I was up at camp, and you asked me how much different tennis is. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I told you it's completely different because of the equipment that they're using. And it's not so much different in how you teach, but what you're able to produce because of the new equipment. Football, these guys, and in the NBA too, the equipment that they wear, these guys are essentially automobiles. Right. And, but when you look at the reality of the violence involved, uh, the, the sack stats for the NFL don't go back, uh, I think, beyond the 80s. Right. They don't. You're right. So 
probably the sack master, one of the sack masters of all time, was a defensive end for the Los Angeles Rams named Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones, yeah. Deacon Jones' signature move was called the head slap. Yeah. And what Deacon would do on virtually every play was attempt to concuss the tackle in front of him. Right. Because when he slapped the side of this guy's helmet, uh, it, it was a minor concussion. They used to call it ringing the bell. Exactly. And when, when you look at how, I mean, you could clothesline people. Uh, does, does anybody but me remember uh, the unfortunate Super Bowl when uh, Sammy White of the Minnesota Vikings basically had his head taken off yeah, by I, I, I watched that defensive game. back. Yeah. And it was a legal play. Wasn't that Jack Tatum that rocked him? It might have been. I think it was Tatum. But all I remember is watching the game and seeing Sammy White's helmet bouncing down the field and hoping that his head wasn't in it. Yeah, I th- you know um, what? I remember that because I thought that actually happened. I was like, wow, that was a rock. Oh, it was. But what I'm saying is, is that the violence was much more in the early days because uh, they've changed a lot of rules for player safety. Sure. The reality is it's not going to be a safe game. Never. The reality is, is that what, when, when I see Everson Griffin come around the end and plant Aaron Rodgers, I am as happy as I can possibly be. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's not very happy about it, but you know, uh, when Anthony Barr, uh, sacked Rogers and knocked him out for most of the season. Okay. Great play. It was a great play. Awesome play. What the hell is wrong with me that I enjoy this so much? Well, I didn't. I had him on my fantasy team, so that wasn't exactly. Well, so did I. Oh, gosh. <laughs> my my fantasy season was over after week three, which is a good thing. But, but, yeah, we get into those big hits. I loved it. You bring up some great points, too, about the past. I remember Jack Tatum. He said, my job was to knock you out. And him and the other guy, what was it, Atkins? Who George Atkins. George Atkinson. Yeah, those two guys used to sit back there and make bets on who could knock out the most guys. Could you imagine those guys playing today with the equipment that they have? Well, a lot of what they did was illegal. Well, today. now it is, yeah. Uh, so it would have been a different uh, situation entirely. But the point is, is that this is a sport that glorifies violence. Right. And... The question becomes, as a believer in the Prince of Peace, should we be so into such a violent sport? And one that has incredible repercussions for the people that play it down the road. Now, yeah, they make a lot of money. Oh, they do. But you look at, uh, okay, my favorite player of all time, I am wearing... As we record this oh, podcast, Fran Tarkington. I am wearing a Tarkington shirt. Right. Um, Tarkington's had uh, both shoulders replaced. I think he's had a knee replaced. I mean, Tarkington, maybe, he's had a bunch of surgeries. Sure. And, and the thing about Fran is that 
his career was ended at age 38 when he broke his leg. That was mm-hmm. the first time he'd ever been hurt. Right. And he's still banged up. But post-retirement, this guy's having surgery after surgery after surgery. Right. And you know, is that something that we should celebrate? Well, you know what? Back to Tarkington, though. Again, when he didn't suit up, they didn't get paid. So, I mean, he had to suit up. So well, they Fran, Fran probably had a guarantee um, back in those okay. days. Maybe he did. It's not Tarkin even worth fighting about. Tarkin is one of the smartest financial people. That's what he does now, by the way. Right. Tarkin financial empire. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we have to wrestle with the ethics of being involved in this sport. And we're... And those of us, I mean, the industry, the reason why the NFL is a multi-billion dollar business is because of, number one, gambling. Oh, yes. Number two, fantasy football. Yep. Okay. They don't even care anymore about how many people are in the stands. No. Nope. Because they live off of uh, money from uh, media revenue. And and I think that in in twenty years they'll we'll eventually get to the point where people are tired of paying for stadiums. That these things are staged just for television. Right, I agree with that too. Fantasy football brings in a lot of money. That daily fantasy—that's what I play. And well, and it makes sure that there are eyes on the screen. That's the only reason I watch anymore is because I play fantasy sports. If I don't have a a game. If I'm if I'm not working that night, I probably unless I'm playing FanDuel for basketball, I might not be watching so closely because I do have other things to do, you know. But uh, if I have something going on it, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm going to have two laptops, both screens going, and just walk back and forth and watch. Yep. Yep. I, I every year I finagle with Directv. Uh, a, a free subscription to Sunday Ticket. Right. How do <laughs> Every you do, year. Never mind. It's not important how you do well, that. Well, there's there's ways to do it, Phil. You know what? <laughs> I have never paid for any of those things because I have ways to. But uh, needless to say, you're right. Now, here's the thing, though. You bring up the fact that people don't go to, you know, they don't care so much about people going to games. Yeah, they don't care at all. The Cleveland Browns, as sorry as they are, and they are awful, they sell out every week. Yeah, because, I mean, there's in, – in some of these um, towns in the Steel Belt, it still matters. It you know, matters it's a tradition a that matters. You'll see the same thing, you know, in, in Dallas. You'll see the same thing in Minnesota. Green Bay, too. Uh, yeah. But those traditions, like many traditions, are going away. And it's become more and more of – a business around the things that we've talked about. Well, those tailgate parties, you know, they people sell like tailgate packages so you can go and these guys get launched before the game. They don't even know what's going on during the game. Who won? Who cares? I had fun with my friends out in the parking lot and nobody well, held up a sign saying anything stupid, really, because there you get beat down. Oh, yes. Quickly. It's not like Facebook. But I'm this. This is something I'm really wrestling with. I, you know, should this be something that I'm so involved in? I'm not. I'm not watching anymore. 
I'm done. I said on Twitter, adios, fantasy football. It was nice knowing you. I'm done. I'm not even going to watch this weekend. Not even close. I don't care. There's nothing on Sunday in the NBA. It's Christmas Eve, actually. I'm not watching any football. Oh, I am. Well, I know you are. (laughs) And and I don't judge you for it either because I know why I watch it. I'm a huge, I, I mean, I've been a Vikings fan since I was a little boy. And Skull Vikings, they're in first place, clinched a uh, thing. They clinched the playoffs without Teddy Bridgewater, and he showed up on the field Sunday. You want to talk about something horrific that didn't happen because of, it was just a freak injury. The guy almost lost his leg, and he yes. came on the field, and I had tears in my eyes for that kid. I love Teddy Bridgewater, and I think he's a fantastic human being even though he plays a very violent sport. But to see him come back on the field, I'm sure you were really happy about that. You know, I, Teddy, Teddy's a great story. Um, because, and, and this is the other side of sports. Um, if you talk to people, if you read what is in the media, the thing that you will quickly figure out is that everybody loves Teddy. Has nothing to do with uh, how well he performs on, on a football field. It has everything to do with, this is a kid of incredible drive and character. JJ Watt, same way. And yeah. And, and when, you know, Coach Zimmer of the Vikings is a pretty hard-boiled uh, human being. And when the day that Teddy got hurt, Zimmer had tears in his eyes. I remember their press conference in the parking lot. And the, the, it wasn't a, a matter of whether Teddy was going to play again. It was a matter of, is Teddy going to lose his leg? Right. It was a catastrophic injury. Like the kid from the Bears, Olsen, right? Was it Olsen? Who was that kid that got hurt? It wasn't Olsen. uh, Miller. Miller. Zach Miller, right? But Teddy's was a non-contact injury. Well, that's just it. You know, that's the other thing about it. Yeah, his comeback and his, his desire to be what he believes God made him to be is inspirational. And the way he does things, supporting everybody else along the way, uh, he's just it's just a fantastic role model. And that's the other side of sports. You're going to have people like that that do exemplary things. People like J.J. Watt. I, you know, how many millions did he raise for flood relief? Oh, right. There's a lot. Of, you know, the NFL, I know it's uh, quote-unquote in a barbarian sport, so to speak. That's what people think. But those those players do so much for the community and no one knows about. It's interesting. More than any other sport. And they don't do it for publicity. They don't do it because they're ordered to do it, like in some sports. They just seem to be more about the community. I think it's because of the nature of the football. The traditions of the football. You've got the tailgate parties. You've got these massive rallies on Wednesday night or Thursday night where the players show up and they're all at the same bar and they're hanging out and having fun. That's what football really is. Unfortunately, there's another side to it. And that's the side that makes you wrestle if you're a Christian, I would think, Michael. I think you're right. I'll tell you what I wrestle with. What's that? People giving 
struggling Christians or struggling people and having them read the book of Job. Okay. That's a bad idea, I think. <clears throat> Why? Because it's a bad idea. You got someone who struggles with their faith, and then you give them a book about a God who knew what Job would do and let the devil do what he wanted anyway. Okay. And all his kids are gone. And they say, well, but he got everything back. No, he didn't get those same kids back. If Chester died today and I gave you another cat, would you still mourn for Chester? I, I agree 100% with that. But. But. <laughs> I knew the butt was coming. That's why. But, but uh, let's let's talk briefly about what the Book of Job is. Okay, you do that because I'm 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 ready to burn it to the ground. Okay, so the Book of Job, first of all, is a very long poem. It's a it's not. It's it's a story to teach us certain things okay tell us which things they're supposed to teach us okay and it's a very very difficult book to parse Woo. okay mm -hmm. when <laughs> it, it is it, it is mean, this, this is hard that's why i sent this thing to you like four days ago so you'd be ready Oh yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, takes a little longer than that to to be ready to defend the Book of Job because there's no defense for it. Yeah, there is. Okay, yeah, what, yeah, there is. then I'm gonna let you do it. What the Book of Job teaches us is that this is a much more complex world than we have any idea. The Book of Job teaches us that there are malignant powers at work in the world right that god is at war with those powers that we are caught up in these spiritual battles in ways that we aren't even aware of and it also shuts our mouths about some of these questions that we have okay because when you go to the end of the book after you know, we have Job's friends who are, you know, I, I, I would have found a way to get them out of the house. Okay. <laughs> because they're not helpful no. to Job. Job's no. wife isn't particularly helpful. But when we come to the end of the book, what we expect is God to defend himself against the charges that people bring against the book of Job today. Okay. That's what we expect. We want God to explain himself. Well, yeah. <laughs> and what God does is goes to Job, who's already been through all of this stuff, and goes, who are you to question me? Huh. Where were you when I made everything? Right. When did I come and ask you how to run this show? Right. It's not particularly comforting. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. And what it does is in 
and understand that Job's probably the oldest book in the Bible. Right. I agree with that. So it's a reflection of the culture that it was written in. It's a reflection of a whole lot of ideas about God that were around at the time and that are still around now. Right. The end of the story, and I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Well, okay. Job got his kids back. Well, not not the ones that died. <laughs> nope. Uh, they're still dead. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though. He got them back. Um, but what it does say is that in the end, in some way, God balances the books. Okay. But see, and in real he's life? not going to explain it to you. And the books may not get balanced while we're here. Okay, that, that's okay. fine. Yeah, that's fine. You know what I think? I think Facebook is the modern-day version of the Book of Job. I don't know how the hell you took that route, but I'll go ahead and say, explain that. I'm going to do my best. I, I okay. see. I, I hear that little noise in the background, so I, I know you're ready to listen. So here we go. You know what? Ever see anyone post a problem that they have? You ever notice that you've got some sympathizers and then, of course, you've got the other ones who aren't? It's the same thing. Ever post up something that you know to be true and a fact and have, have people who know nothing about what you just said they ask you to explain yourself? It's the same thing. Same well, thing. maybe, you know, I think we're all Job's friends to a degree. I'm throwing out both Job and Facebook. But what I would say to people who struggle with the book of Job okay. is that understand the context it's written in, understand the, the story that it's actually trying to tell you, and understand more than anything else that the full revelation of who God is mm -hmm. is found in Jesus Christ. Right. What Job is, is an incomplete revelation of who God is. That's a very good point, too. That's a, that's a great way to put that. It's a, it's a partial view. But the full revelation of who God is, is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came, and you know, as long as we're getting close to the Christmas season, let's bah humbug, slip in an incarnational note here. Only Jesus, on Calvin's corner. Yeah, Jesus didn't explain suffering and death. Jesus came and experienced suffering and death with us and for us. So when you want to know who God is, you don't point back to the partial revelation of God to Job. You look at the cross, at the full revelation of who God is for you. And that's who God is. God is for you. You won't hear that on Facebook. That was well done. You fell right into line, just like I always do, partner. I like that. I'm sweating. I know. <laughs> I, I can tell. That's why I, I, I threw out that Facebook thing to give you a chance to catch your breath. But the thing is, is uh, it's a tough book. And if you're struggling, the first thing you're going to see and you're paying attention is, well, God made a bet with the devil when yeah. he knew he would win. 
and then all the inflictions and that that can tug at your heartstrings but as michael said i think you're right i think that that's only that's not even a complete picture of who god is and i still concur with my original thesis and that is this do not give that book to someone who is struggling (laughs) well don't don't need to give people a book anyway you need to give yourself yeah see that's the other thing you really want to know how you can be a christian show them christ don't tell them about him show him to others in your own way of living including on facebook by the way there you go the martyrs project my friend yeah those are great people Dwayne and michael i didn't have permission to give their last names, then they're not on the website that I could find. And yes, that's okay. they are. Oh, they are? Yes. yes. Okay, the, pro- so- the project is Dr. Dwayne Arnold, my, oh. my mentor, uh, right. who writes uh, for uh, the blog and who is uh, teaching me how to uh, enter the Anglican priesthood, right. and his friend, Michael Glenn Bell. Yep. Now that and- one I knew. They have a wonderful website. They're wonderful musicians, very talented, uh, both in songwriting and in performing the songs once they're written. And they don't write about silly stuff. And I understand you're going to actually play the the newest song? Yeah, they're turning me into a disc jockey, of course. Willingly, I offered to do it. Great guys. Dwayne Arnold, Michael Glenn Bell. They have a website. It's called themartyrsproject.com. They have an album out. It's called, what is it called? Hold on, I'm sorry. It's called Mystic Chapel. And we are going to play a song that they just released that's not on that album, but you can find all their stuff at themartyrsproject.com. It's a song called Poets Fall. The group is called The Project for Pastor Michael Noonan. I'm Phil Nasons. We want to thank you for listening to Calvin's Corner. 8 December 
Santiago's field of pleasure. Mid-September of 73, held in a makeshift prison, a singer finds his voice set free. Kill prophets and poets. 